There we go. And praise the Lord for that. Aren't you glad for the just the, the privilege of prayer? And just the just the fact that, you know, I just think about my own life, how really um, all that the blessings and I look at all of that, what God has uh, at times brought me through, I just can attribute that to the fact that people did pray for me. Um, we really need it. I hope that, that that's, a, that's a realization. And, uh, you know, one of the most precious memories I have as a, as, a, uh, as a teenager, as a young person, was just the mornings when I, you know, the occasional mornings where I got up early and I walked out and in the living room, my parents were uttering my name to the Lord. And what a joy that was. You know, I just look back and there's a lot of things I can remember about my parents, but th that's something I'll never forget. And I'm thankful for that. And tonight, I'm going to speak a little bit tonight on uh, probably a, a topic that we don't always touch on, but I think as a church would be a good practice to just continue. I think um, it was probably years ago when I first heard about fasting. It was actually at a leadership conference here. And I remember just not knowing much about it. I remember thinking, well, is it something that should be done? And um, came away just... just um, meditating on it, studying it a little bit, and, and just seeing what the scripture had to say about that. And I didn't know it, but um, about two years later, I was getting ready to, to start pastoring. At that time, I was an associate, and, um, and I remember just very, being very clear, just the Lord speaking to me through his word about the need in my own life to pray and fast. And... Um, I want you to turn your Bibles, look at Philippians chapter 3, and we'll, we're going to look at Mark chapter, chapter 2, the, the, our reading, but we'll, we'll, we'll start here, and, and I want you to note something that Paul says as a bit of an aside, and I think we're going to talk about something tonight that is important, that, you know, if you're here this evening and um, there's a couple of things that you're just seeking the Lord about in, in all sincerity, something that... Probably as you've prayed, you've felt the weight of it and the burden of it, then this is, this is another thing that God calls us to, to help with that. And it's going to be counter to how you're feeling tonight about doing it. Because I'm going to show you sometimes this is where we're at in verse 17. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example then in this, uh, it's, it should be in brackets in your Bible. It's a, a bit of an aside from the Apostle Paul. He says, For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. And notice what he says about these. He says, Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Notice the connection there between being earthly-minded, and then having your God as your belly. And, you know, you look around, and I know we're in a Baptist church tonight, but you look around, and in the world over, you know, the, the food industry is a huge industry. You look at the Western society and how much waste we have, and you could probably say with great confidence that the food waste that Western societies um, go through each year could probably feed the world over. 
And there's a, there's a, and again, I'm not against that. I, I know that probably all of us enjoy our food and there's a balance to it. But when we're talking about fasting, I think we understand what that is. And it's, it's giving up something that we enjoy and, in fact, we find pleasure in. And he's saying there, though, that there are those, he's, he's saying, you know, follow us in this, but then there are those that you need to mark who actually their God is their belly. And, and that's really a characteristic of our society, isn't it? You know, asking someone to give up something for a period of time that they enjoy, that's difficult. Right, you, you ever dealt with a, a young person that you had to say, look, no phones for the week, man. You know, no, no screen for the week. You know, you want to put up a fight, you, uh, you tell them that. <laughs> but you give, you're giving up something here that uh, for a period of time that you enjoy. And, and in fact, look at Mark chapter 2. Um, the, the disciples were, were accused of the opposite. But uh, it's interesting that what the Lord Jesus says in response to that, you know, we read it earlier, but notice there again, says that, Why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but thy disciples fast not? Then he gives this answer, the Lord Jesus says, you know, while the bridegroom is with them, they cannot. So he's, who is he speaking about there? Himself, right? He's the bridegroom. And then he says, but the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them. So he's referring to the fact that he's going to ascend and uh, he's going to be put on the cross, and then he's going to rise up to heaven, and then shall they fast in those days. Now, um, correct me if I'm wrong, the days of that is now, right? Our Lord Jesus is yet to return. He's in the heavens. Uh, he will return one day. Praise God for that. But right now, there's this expectation, then shall they fast in those days. We're in those days. And we're going to talk a little bit in the next week and in this this Sunday and then the following, Lord willing, on, on just this thought of prayer and fasting and just teach you some basic things in the Word of God. And, um, and you know, Jesus was questioned here why they don't fast, and he just simply gives this answer, well, they're with me now, but one day they won't be, and that's a time they will fast. And, and the problem is that we, we sometimes don't dispose of ourselves, those things that God gives us to be able to, to, to help us in our lives. You know, all of us here would admit that we probably already have difficulty praying. You know, praying at times isn't the most exciting thing. That's why Wednesday night isn't the most popular night at church, because really the emphasis is prayer. And at times we can think, well, well I'll, I'll pray on my own, and, and I hope that you do. I hope that you have an emphasis in your life about prayer, but there's some things, and we're going to learn this in, in, um, in our study, I think next week, you know, there's some things where it's not just requiring prayer, it's going to require prayer and fasting. And, and there's, there's going to be this, this new level of things that we're, we're going to need to understand. And we already know that, that there's this battle, as we, we referred to this morning, between the the flesh and the spirit. He makes that clear in Galatians 5, 16 to 17. He says, This I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. And, and you know, too often 
we would rather indulge our flesh than weaken it. You know, too often in our mindset, well, you know, we need to look after the, this body of ours, and we do. But there's times where we're called to a place of, of weakness to be able to garner a bit of the strength from the Lord. And there's this battle between the spirit and the flesh. And, and you know, often there's times that we allow the, the, the flesh to come away and, and become indulged. And, and we, we see that, don't we, clearly in, in our times of struggle to have our devotions, that walk with God that we're supposed to, that, that time that we're supposed to spend with the Lord, that, that, that closeness that, we, that develops from that. We see it in our struggle at times to pray. Right, There's times where I'm sure I'm not the only one where we've started to pray and we've woken up the next morning and said amen. <laughs> you know, or, or accidentally slept in and kept, you know, we were meant to pray and we started to pray and we woke up and we had to press snooze again. And we all, we all struggle because there's this, this, this thing about things that are spiritual that our flesh doesn't like. And, and we struggle with that. Spiritual disciplines at times are, are counter to what the flesh wants. And yet that's the battle. And, and we're going to learn in the next, again, this, this, this message and then, Lord willing, next week, just regarding prayer and fasting because they, they really go hand in hand. And I hope that we're a church that will pray. But I hope that there are times, as, as, the, as the Lord leads us to, that we'd be willing to come into a fast. And so tonight it's really simple, just a couple of things what fasting is and what fasting is not. And then we'll, we'll talk next week about when to fast, the reasons to, and then why, and then we're going to see then the results of it next week. But tonight it's simply what is fasting and what fasting is not. All right. So firstly, fasting is, is what we see in Scripture is withholding food and at, at times even drink in order to seek God. That's what fasting is in, in all simplicity. Now, we're going to see that there's several individuals in Scripture that fasted, but we're also going to see that, that groups of people fasted as well. And we'll start there. Look at Esther chapter 4. Look at Esther chapter 4. So we'll, we'll do a bit of a Bible study tonight, if you'd follow along. Esther chapter 4. And notice um, verses, verses 15 to 17 and so the the plot to eradicate the Jews was uncovered Mordecai goes to Esther to suggest to her that she implores the king on their behalf about the situation at hand and and, and they understood the danger to that to their lives and notice then Esther in verse 15 bade them return Mordecai this answer it says go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and notice this, and fast ye for me, and notice the condition, neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. So notice, again, she sort of defines that for us, doesn't she? Says, go ask the, the Jews, all of them, as a group to fast for me because I'm going to implore the king. And we understand that it was dangerous for her as well. Her attitude was, if I perish, I perish. But she says, in preparation for that, would you fast? And I'm going to fast as well. 
And so she, she defines it. It's neither eat nor drink three days. And, you know, we're going to see different time signatures attached to it. But there were, there's groups of people. Okay, Ezra chapter 10, verse 6. Then Ezra rose up from before the house of God and went into the chamber of Johanan, the son of Eliashib. And when he came thither, he did not eat nor bread nor drink water. For he mourned because of the transgression of them that had been carried away. So again, at times they, they didn't drink, they didn't eat, and that's what we call a fast. Okay, so there's groups of people, the nation of Israel at various times throughout their history was called for a fast for various reasons. The people in Nineveh fasted in Jonah chapter 3, verse 5. So you might be thinking, well, it's just a Jewish thing. No, Nineveh was Gentile. All right, and, and then we see that monarchs fasted. Right, we saw there Esther, the queen, um, Saul himself, King Saul, David at many times throughout his life fasted. Okay, um, we see leaders fasted. We know Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 9, verses 9 and 18, 40 days in the mount, he was without food or water. So Moses, the meekest man to have ever lived, a friend of God, went face to face with God. And he fasted in the mount. We see that also in Exodus 24 and 34. So leaders, we see Ezra, we already referred to him there. But Ezra calls a fast in Ezra chapter 8. We see Daniel, who wasn't a religious leader, he was a political leader, right? So Daniel fasted in, in Daniel chapter 10, uh, for, uh, verses 2 to 3. He, he fasted for three weeks. Right, three weeks he went without food or water. So we see monarchs, we see leaders fasting, we see prophets fast. Okay, Elijah fasted in 1 Kings chapter 19. We see Isaiah, he referred to a fast in Isaiah 58. We see Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 14 and chapter 36. We see Ezekiel in all of the, the, the um, weird and wonderful things that he was supposed to do. Ezekiel fasted. We see Joel referring to it in Joel chapter 1, chapter 2. Zechariah referred to it in chapter 7 and, and chapter 8. And then John the Baptist himself. Okay, we, we saw that earlier in our reading in Mark chapter 2. There's a recognition that John and his disciples fasted. And then those religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees even, they were known for that. All right, so we see that. Um, that, uh, that these individuals uh, were there. We see in the New Testament, okay, the disciples as a group at times fasted in Acts chapter 13. We know they had to make some vital decisions in regard to the future of the church and the direction that they were supposed to take. We see the Apostle Paul, the, the, uh, the apostle to the Gentiles, the one that was given the, the mysteries of the gospel for this New Testament age. Paul fasted at times. In fact, he said in fastings often, he spoke about that. Okay, again, John's disciples, we see Anna as she was seeking the Lord in Luke chapter 2. So ladies, you don't miss out. We already referred to Esther, but then we see Anna here. Uh, then we see Cornelius, a Gentile man seeking the Lord in Acts chapter 10. And we'll turn to those. But then we note also that the greatest example of it is our Lord Jesus himself. Okay, look at Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. 
And notice verse 1. Okay, then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward unhungered. Now, who would agree you'd be hungry after 40 days and 40 nights? Some of you, you're hungry after four hours, all right? But notice that he, he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. All right, this was at a time when he was under heavy spiritual attack. Right? And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And he was demonstrating, and he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So he's saying there that you know, he came into a fast, and he was, he was under, under this spiritual attack by the devil. And he, he met him, and we know he met him with the word of God, but he met him in this time of fasting. And so even, even the Lord Jesus, we see several other times in Mark, Mark chapter 1, Luke chapter 4. But, um, you know, Jesus said in Matthew 17, 21, in reference to the fact that they couldn't cast out these devils, the disciples couldn't. He said, how be it, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. You know, Jesus was trying to get them to understand there's, there's, there's a great power untapped when we avoid this thing of fasting. He's saying, you know, actually, there's, there's a certain level spiritually that you can't get to without this. The disciples were frustrated. They were frustrated that they couldn't somehow cast out these devils when some others, they, they were so easily doing. And yet, in that, he said this. It wasn't another way. It was by prayer and fasting. And, and we're going to, again, look at... Look at why and, and the reasons to fast next week. But, you know, there's other types of fasting. That's the, that's the main one. I think that's the, the when we generally think about a fast, that's, that's what we look to. But there's other ones that I think scripturally we can see. Look at Psalm chapter 6. And these can be either paired up or in lieu of. You know, I think sometimes for health reasons we, we can't fast. If you're Diabetic, it's very dangerous for you, right? Certain types, you can't really fast. This might be an alternative. I know there was a, a young lady at, um, at, at our previous church, and we had a, we had, there were some things for the church that we were seeking the Lord about, and we, um, as just a group of, of leaders and ministry volunteers, we just decided that, you know, we'd call a corporate fast, and she's just, she's diabetic, so she asked, you know, what do I do? And, and um, God brought to mind this in Psalm chapter 6. Our verse 6, I am weary and with my groaning all the night. Notice that all the night may make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. Mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all mine enemies. And so David was in this heaviness and, and notice his response to it. He says this, I am weary with my groanings all the night. Make I my bed to swim. You know what he's doing? He had given up sleep. He had taken the time, and, and sleep is another physical thing that we need, don't we? Right? You, you don't do well when you don't sleep. Right? We all struggle. We all struggle with that. But we see David here in his example and what he was doing was he was praying, the Lord hath heard my supplication, the Lord will receive my prayer. He had enemies 
that were there. He had those that, that were ready to, to, take, uh, to, take, to take David. And David, how he responded was by, by giving up sleep in prayer. You know, um, sometimes you call uh, an all-night prayer. And, um, and I, wonder, I wonder how, you know, I wonder if when last time we'd, we'd done that, I was just thinking about it even for me personally. But those were so beneficial just as, as we just, you know, in the formation of, of the church. You know, I, I just remember the early days we would just have call all-night prayer meetings. And, you know, you do all you can, right? I don't, I don't recommend that you would always um, pair up prayer and fasting in the sense of not eating food with also staying up all night. You might do that in extreme circumstances. Uh, but, but I'll just tell you this, when you do undertake, and it's difficult, drinking water, you feel sleepy. And it's difficult. And, and you endure that. But, but if you're not able to in that sense, then I, I think this is an acceptable thing to the Lord. Just giving up sleep in order to be able to seek Him. All right, and so we see that. But then also another way, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. For those of you who are married, you know, at times God even calls us to this. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 3, Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband, and likewise also the husband hath not power of your of his own body, but the wife. So we see that there's that physical union between a husband and a wife. And in verse 5, defraud ye not one another, except it be with consent for a time, notice that, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer. So at times you even with consent, with consideration one for another, you give up that physical union between the husband and the wife in that physical intimacy in order for you to, uh, to pray and fast, in order for you to just, to, to just um, to, for a season. But then he says, and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. And he's saying that it needs to be with consent for a season. Right? And, and maybe there's husbands and wives here who just are struggling through some things, maybe to do with your, your, your family maybe to do with a big decision that you have coming ahead, then uh, there's, there's a time that is, it's needful to withhold the physical relationship in order to pray and fast properly, to have that focus. And the, the Bible is clear about that. And so what we see, what, what fasting is, that through all of these examples, with those two alternatives there or additions, it is generally just this. It's just withholding food and, and water at times, and drink in order to seek God. Just a simple definition. All right, but what it is, it's spiritual activity. All right, um, we mentioned there Cornelius already, but go to Acts chapter 10. Go to Acts chapter 10. And, and notice here in the New Testament now, as the early church was being formed, Acts chapter 10, and there was a certain man, verse 1, in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. Okay, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He was a, he was a prayerful man. 
But notice what he was doing in, in all of it. He was fasting. Go, go down to verses 30 to 32. So the response was then Peter comes and Cornelius said, notice this, four days ago I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour I prayed in my house and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard and thine alms are are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the, in the house of one Simon, a tanner by the seaside, who when he cometh shall speak unto thee. Now remember, Peter was struggling with the whole concept of the Gentiles being part of God's economy now. And here was Cornelius. He was seeking the Lord about certain things. And the answer was then for Peter to come and and earlier, Peter had a vision, and, and God, interestingly, says to him, eat. <laughs> so while one was fasting, the other one in a vision was getting fed. That's interesting. But what it is, it's spiritual activity. It's spiritual activity in seeking God. Look at Acts chapter 13. Again, we're seeing a pattern in the early church here. And verses 1 to 3, we often see this as the commissioning of, um, of, of Paul and Barnabas for the work. And now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Notice the, the, notice the decision that was to be made was Saul and Barnabas was going to be sent out to the mission field. They had a great calling. But the, the way that was decided was they were already in a, in a mode of prayer and fasting. You know, I wonder why at times, and, and remember the Lord Jesus asked us to pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest send forth laborers unto the field. I wonder, I wonder the reason, if this is the reason why there's not many being sent out of our churches in this day is because we've just stopped coming to a point of prayer and fasting. You know, sometimes we question, well, is God still calling and and how come there's more missionaries coming off the field than we're sending? And all of this problem of, of, of missions, could it be that it's as simple as this? We've just not obeyed in this area of prayer and fasting? Could it be that it's this simple that, that you know, we haven't sacrificed the time? It sacrificed our bellies at time, at times to be able to seek God, to see if He would send some from our local church and some from our nation and some that will just be, you know, on the runway ready to be called and maybe it was just this, we failed to do our part. And I wonder, because spiritual activity begets spiritual activity, right? The, the calling of a man, the calling of someone to the field, that's a spiritual work. It's not just the practicalities. We, we could have all the programs. Hey, listen, I've been involved in internships. We had one. But I'll tell you what, it wasn't the, the design of that. It was because I know there were men and women in, in that church who were pray, praying and fasting for our young people. 
You know, I remember a particular one. We were, it was my first youth camp that I had, um, I had organized. And we moved it because generally we had youth camp in January and we moved it that year because, you know, I was doing a selfish thing. I was getting married that January, all right? So we moved it to June, July, winter. It was a winter camp. First one we've ever done. And it was also my first one I was organizing all on my own. I was a youth pastor at the time. I was an associate and, and our senior pastor, he was, he was away on furlough. And so it was me. And I remember we got there and, you know, we had, it was a bit of a nightmare to, to organize. I had gotten sick, you know, six weeks out. And that's usually at the height of when we were really planning and doing things and got sick for a week. So I was out. So I had to rely on our youth workers and, and they were trying their best and they did their best. And we got there and, and I'll, I'll be honest, we were really underprepared. And then I, I know that our speaker at the time, he was going through a bit of a struggle and he was recovering from certain things that, that you know, just, just spiritual battles, the weariness of it. And, and it just was one of those where it just didn't seem like anything was going to happen. The first day, you know, we had, we had done all the activities. It was a bit flat. And that first night, we, the, the preacher preached and he preached. It was an okay message. And we called an altar call and... and you know, no one came, and then right at the last minute, one young man came to the front, and I was like, oh, at least God's doing something, right? So I walk up as the, the, the camp director, walk up to this young man, and I said, hey, you know, what's God doing in your life? He looked up at me, sort of confused, and he said, no, I'm studying for the quiz tomorrow. And he wasn't, he didn't actually come forward. He just wanted some alone time at the front <laughs> so he could study for a quiz to get points, you know? And that, that, I knew at that point, man, this, this is not going to go well. So I remember that night, I was just burdened. You know, I was just burdened. I said, Lord, this is my first one, and I just I want you to do something. And I spoke to the other fellow, it was Mark Tossel at the time, and I said, we, we should pray tonight. I just, and we prayed all night, and that morning we said, look, we're just not going to. And I didn't tell him, I said, I said, just between me and the Lord at that point, I was going to fast that day. And I just was broken for our young people because, you know, traditionally and, and God's used camp a lot of times in my life and the life of our, our church there in Sydney. And I was just broken. You know, I was just like, what is going on? Um, but then just something happened. We woke up the next morning after a day of fasting and just we woke up and the next day we had a quick meeting with our leaders and they were burdened too. And, and unknown to me, they had been pray, praying as well. And it just seemed like it was chalk and cheese. Because then the last two days, God did something amazing. We, we got rid of the schedule. Kids didn't want to play games. And, and God did something. And I remember for hours, we were sitting outside. God broke things open. And young people were confessing sin. Young people were, were sharing things with one another that they'd never shared. And, and it was as if God broke through. You know what it was? It was spiritual activity begetting spiritual activity. And I'll tell you what, that generation is now the young adults of that church, and they're all serving. They're all still together. God's blessed them with marriages, and now, now a few of them are, are ministry leaders in that church. And I look back at that, that, that camp that was going very, very badly to God coming around. And it wasn't, it was God in the end. But we used his way. 
And you know, sometimes we can try to figure things out, humanly speaking. But if you want a, a spiritual victory, you're going to have to do it a spiritual way. And we see that. And, and you know, fasting is spiritual activity. It's not dieting. All right? It's not dieting or it's not a social cause like the 40-hour famine. All right? It's not for the purpose of physical benefit or, or there is physical benefit. But it's not for that. It's for spiritual activity and those outcomes in our lives. Okay, again, this kind came forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. And the emphasis is on withholding something from the physical so that the spiritual can be heightened. And, and I've already mentioned it, but it's, it's what fasting is. It's seeking the face of God. Look at Daniel chapter 9. So Daniel, again, he was really used of the Lord. He, we know Daniel to be a prophetic book. And, and Daniel is the key to unlocking prophecy in the New Testament. But Daniel chapter 9, notice what was happening. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. So he was searching scripture. He was trying to make sense of what Jeremiah had written. And notice verse 3, And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love Him and to them that keep His commandments, we have sinned and have committed. Notice the brokenness that comes with just that prayer and fasting. We have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by preparing from Thy precepts and from Thy judgments. And neither have we hearkened unto Thy servants, the prophets, which spake in the name of to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto Thee, but unto us confusion of faces as this day to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to all Israel that are near and that are far off through all the countries whither thou hast driven them because of their trespass that they have trespassed against thee. And he goes on and he goes on and he, he gets to a breakthrough. He starts to understand. And you know, I, I was thinking, I was challenged about this as I was studying. He was doing that in, in, in his search in the scriptures. I Man, I was challenged about that. When was the last time I was reading some scripture that I didn't understand and my response to it wasn't to open a commentary but was to seek God through prayer and fasting? I wonder when was the last time I did that instead of quickly searching it, quickly going through my favorite commentary or getting some books about it, but I just sat with the Lord and I just put in some prayer and fasting. I wonder how many of us, we need some clarity, we need some direction, and we know the source. We need to get to the Word of God. And we just come to the Lord seeking His face, asking Him through prayer and fasting to illuminate His Word for us so He can direct us through His Word. When was the last time we did that? And I was convicted about that because, to be frank with you, I've probably never done that. And, in, and later on, in, in another passage in Ezra 8, 21, he proclaims a fast, wise, to seek of him a right way for us and for our little ones and for all our, our substance. And, 
What he's saying is, is fasting has a way of, of us seeking the face of God for direction, for clarity in our lives. That's what fasting is. And Daniel needed, he needed clarity. He, he, so he fasted and prayed. It, it was a time of withholding food and drink and for the purpose of seeking God, for people, for provision, for direction. And I wonder tonight if you have a burden, if you have a care, if you have a spiritual struggle, if your flesh has become rampant or untamed, maybe you have a loved one who's astray, maybe you have a loved one who's lost, then, then I want to challenge you. Maybe put in some prayer and fasting to seek God's hand in it. And what this is, it's letting us God know that, that we're serious and we're highlighting this real need in our lives. And it's if we understand God already knows. But, but is our heart in it is the question. And so we saw that fasting is, is giving up food and drink at times for this, the, the purpose of seeking God. It's, it's spiritual activity. It's not for any other motive. But what fasting is not. Look at Matthew chapter 6, and, and we'll be quick tonight. Matthew chapter 6. And verse 16, moreover, when you fast, and notice this, be not. So now he's going to say, don't do it this way. Right? Be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father, which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. And, and, and what fasting is not? He says, be not. He's not rebuking the fast. He was rebuking the way they were fasting. So what fasting is not is, is firstly, it's not for spiritual giants. Right? You know who the Pharisees thought they were? They thought they were spiritual giants. They, they thought that they were the ones that knew all of the answers. And, and you know, Jesus often rebuked them. But he was saying that they may appear unto men to fast. It was about their elevation. And what fasting is not, it's not for spiritual giants. All right, the Pharisees were often a group of people that Jesus pointed to as not being very spiritual. And, and again, he didn't rebuke that the fact that they were fasting. Jesus rebuked the reason they fasted. That was to be seen of men. Okay, the, the statement Christ made was, when you fast. Okay, so he's saying that the expectation here is for God's people to fast at times, but not this way. Not, it's not, it's for, the, for everyone that has a need. Right? It, it's for, not for spiritual giants. It's not just those who seem to, you know, to, to be the religious. And sometimes we can, you know, we can go overboard. He's saying, you know, make sure that you don't appear to fast. When thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face. I remember years ago, we were a group of men. We went up to the mountain for a couple of days. We had planned to fast, again, about just certain directions and certain strongholds in the church. And we went up, and one of the men said, Oh, pastor, I'm going to do it right. He goes, I didn't bring any toothpaste. He goes, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to brush my teeth. Because he heard that, you know, there's a bit of sugar in that and then that way. And I'm like... Brother, I said, Matthew, Matthew 6 says, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face. I'm pretty sure that includes your teeth. 
all right? And I said, and do us a favor. Here's some toothbrush, right? Here's some toothpaste. And, um, and you know, we had, a, we had a, a bit of a laugh about that. But I just remember that, that, that week we had just, and we just got weaker and weaker. And we didn't feel at all as we came out of that like we were spiritual giants. In fact, we were just humbled. We knew we didn't have the answers. But we knew we had to rely on the Lord. You know what else it's not? It's not for show. It's not for show. Jesus is saying, do it, in, do it in secret. Don't do it for show. The Pharisees often did things to be seen of men. They had all of the, you know, the paraphernalia that they wore. You know, um, fasting has no reward if you're going to do it to be seen of men. If you, you do it to be seen of men, your reward is here, not above. He's clear about that. He rewards openly as we do it in secret. And, and again, there are times when we call corporate fast. We, we ask one another, but we do that in humility. We do that in the sense of what we're doing it for. All right, but it's not for sure. But I want to say lastly that fasting is not, it's not for cornering God. You know, sometimes we think, oh, we fasted. And we're almost doing it like, well, God better do this. Do you see how I fasted? You know, be careful to think that fasting corners God into a decision you want. Okay, God is sovereign. Okay, and he, it's, it's never our command or our demand that he follows. It's always his will that he follows. But, but fasting is a thing led by the Spirit. And, and remember Jesus being led of the Spirit of the wilderness into the wilderness. He was fasting. But, but it's one of those things where it's, it's actually a submission you're submitting even your flesh to the, to the, to the leading of the, of the Lord. And, and there's a great example of it. Look at 2 Samuel, last scripture we'll turn to tonight. 2 Samuel chapter 12. And here's David. Now David was paying for the sin of adultery and murder. David had sinned against Bathsheba and Uriah and really the nation and, and overall God. Nathan points to him and he says, thou art the man. And because of that, you're going to lose the child, right? Now notice David's response. In, in, uh, in verse 15, Nathan departed unto his house and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David and it was very sick. David therefore besought God for the child. And notice this, David fasted and went in and lay all night upon the earth. So he fasts in, in response to this judgment. And notice what happens at the end of it, verses 21 to 23. Then said his servants unto him, What thing is this that thou hast done? Thou didst fast and weep for the child while it was alive. But when the child was dead, thou didst rise and eat bread. He said, what happened? He said, you fasted and, and God didn't do what you were hoping and now you're, gonna do, you're, you're eating. And he said, while the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who can tell whether God will be gracious to me that the child may live? You know what he was doing? He was, he was seeking God for something, but he was also equally surrendered to what God was going to do. And fasting is not about cornering God. You know, you might, you might think, well, I'm going to fast. God's going to have to do this. No, God hasn't. He doesn't have to do what you want. Right? You could, you could have the right way, but God may, may choose still. And there's another perhaps lesson for you. Perhaps there's another reason 
But but often we think, well, if we fast, we're going to do it. But here, but when he was, he is dead. Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? He was surrendered. Says he understood. I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Great, great statement there about the child. He's going to see him again. But but the point is this: it's not cornering God. Right? There's reasons, and, and I think there's patterns in the Word of God on why we ought to fast. But what it is, is it's your weakening the flesh that we so often indulge. And in doing so, we highlight a need before the Lord. You know, David recognized that although his need was very genuine, it was still God's will that he ultimately sought and ultimately he rested on. And And... You know, tonight, I don't know what burdens are there, but I just know this, that that there's been times in my life when there's been burdens, where the Lord's called me to a season of fasting. And and I know that that at times that urging of the Spirit can can be countered by the flesh. But I want to urge you in those moments to, to, to surrender that time to the Lord, to seek Him. Again, it's not about just someone telling you to. It's about being spirit-led, being sensitive to the Lord at those times. And so tonight, just, just simply that, what is fasting? It's withholding food and water or drink for a season to seek God. It's spiritual activity. What it's not, it's not, it's not for spiritual giants. It's for everyone who has a need. It's not for, it's not for show. It's not to show that you're someone in the Lord. No, it's also not for cornering God. It's all ultimately it's seeking Him and what His will is, not ours. And so I hope that that was a help to you. And, and again, if you have any questions, you can come see me. We can go through Scripture together. What I did do tonight as well, there's, there's a handout. If there's some, just some preparation that you're going to need to do if you're going to enter into especially a serious time of fasting. And I've just prepared a, a little handout. You can see the ushers about that as we are dismissed. Uh, But let's sing a song and then uh, we'll be dismissed tonight. Thank you.